Today's shiur begins nine lines from the top of Daf Yud Zayin. Before we begin the actual Gemara, we glance at the side where we have a mivneh, a structural note written on the side of the Gemara. The uh, trapezoid form appears. We sometimes refer to it as a volcano shape. And we've written four dugmos, or four examples, shohoyu mishurim, umahoyu omrim. Now, Mishorim means they would sing. There were, in our previous Gemara, we saw at the end of our previous year, the Gemara asking, Ketzen Rakdim Bifnei Akala. Literally, how does dancing take place in front of the bride? Rashi added then, what is said at the time that the public attempts to rejoice together with the Kala? What is said? So, in that spirit, we have the uh, following Gemara, and in the Gemara we see, number one, Ki also Ravdimi Omar, when Ravdimi came, he said, Hochi mashru kame kalsa b'marova. The following is the way they would rejoice uh, and sing in front of the Kala, a bride b'marova in Eretz Yisrael. And, and, and in trying to praise her beauty, they would say as follows, Lo kal v'lo srak Kal and Srak are different types of cosmetics. Uh, Kal was a type of uh, blue, maybe mascara, and Srak was a rouge to give the uh, ruddy or reddish uh, complexion. Uh, Velopirchus is uh, lacking without any braiding of the hair or some type of hairdo. Rashi says Kliaser has to do with braiding of the hair. Vialeschein, and still she was a, a graceful gazelle, so that the uh, uh, the praise of the Kala in Eretzisa was we call natural beauty, even without the cosmetics and without the hairdo, she still is beautiful. Ki Somchu Rabbonon, the Rabbi Zera, now there's a, a switch. Even though textually you'll see it, the same song was sung, but in a totally different context. When Smicha was applied to Rabbi Zera, Smicha is a... Uh, in English, someone might uh, translate it as ordination. But it has to do with the rights given to a, a scholar which applied during the times of the Tanoim and the uh, Amoroim to a certain point in time, the right to uh, rule and paskin over uh, Dine Knossos. They were uh, given the title of Rebbe. So when Rebbe Zera achieved that status, Sharu Lehochi. They refer to him also in uh, using this borrowed idea of uh, natural beauty. Uh, we might term it as being a, we would call him a naturally great man without any uh, uh, f- falsehoods about him. When smicha, when this ordination was granted to Rabami and Rabasi, Shoru Lei Hochi, they unto them they sung the following Kolmin Dain, the Kolmin Dain, Smochulona. Anyone like these, uh, a reference to Rabami and Ravasi, the people like that give them smicha for us. Lotus Muchulanu, do not grant smicha uh, for uh, for us to people that are lomin sarmisen velomin sarmitin. Uh, Rashi explains these words. Sarmisen are people that 
don't know how to give proper explanations. They give uh, reversed, uh, inverted uh, explanations of things. Um, Sarmitin, Rashi says, is a lotion of smartutin, uh, people that are portrayed as rags. The Amri law, the Gemara continues with another version, Velo min chamisin, Velo min turmisin. Regarding turmisin, Rashi says, Lo aspires, it's not explained what that is, but the chamisin that the Gemara says are people that Rashi says give from the word chamis or chomesh is a fifth. They give fifths of the reason. In other words, they give very incomplete explanations to their rulings. On the side of the Gemara, there is a there is printed in from the Oruch. Uh, the Oruch was a, an early commentary, actually living uh, possibly before Rashi a bit. He says that it's people that are people that don't learn complete tractates, people that learn only fifths of tractates and claim they learned the tractate. Well, don't give them the smicha uh, either. The, the, uh, we continue in the Gemara, number four, Rabbi Avo, Kihavu Osi Mimisifta, Lebei Kesar. Rabbi Avo was, in addition to his being a great Talmudic scholar, he was also a governmental representative of the Jewish people to the secular government. So that when he uh, went from the Yeshiva, to the, from the Mesifta to the Bey Kesar, to the Caesar's uh, palace, Nafkon Amsa de Bey Kesar, the uh, the Amsas, the uh, the uh, bondmaids of the Caesar's house, Laape uh, went to greet him. Went out to greet him. Umashrin lehochi, and they would sing to him the following: Rabo the Ame umadvarno duumse. Rabo the Ame is the like the president, the prince of his people, and Madvarno is a leader of his nation. Butsina da Nahora, the one with the glow. Uh, the glowing complexion, brich masyoch l'shlam, blessed be your arrival in peace. Omru alav al rabuda bar iloi, and here we go back to uh, different forms of festivity of of um, uh, actions uh, done uh, uh, in order to bring joy to a new couple, to a bride. On the side of the Gemara, you see under the Mivneh heading a crown shape. This represents Gimel Maisim, three uh, uh, incidents or stories. Shamashutaf Lahem, what's uh, common to them, Shoyu Meraktin Bechatuna, that they, this involved dancing at weddings. The Gemara, Omru Allah Varibur Brabloi, Shoyanoitel Bad Shel Hadas, Umarakid Lifne Hakala. It was said regarding Rebuda Baraloi that he would take a, uh, a myrtle branch and dance in front of the bride, the Omer, and he would say, And he would say, the, the pleasant and uh, righteous um, bride. The, uh, it's interesting that the, uh, uh, the myrtle branch was used in this context uh, you might say it's a, a pleasant-looking plant as well, and it certainly has a fine fragrance. And chasuda has to do with the chut shel chesed. Uh, if you uh, were to uh, be a bit homiletical about this, you might say that the uh, hadas is actually a reference to the queen uh, at the time of the Purim story, the famous Queen Esther, who was also known as Hadassah. 
and the Gemara in Megillah, amongst the uh, different explanations uh, regarding her name and uh, uh, her attributes, it says that she wasn't actually a beautiful woman, according to one opinion, but she had so much, uh, she was so refined and so pious, there was a, a glow of grace that came over her that created a, an impression of beauty in the eyes of others. So that would fit in to the theme over here of why that particular plant was used, the hadas, the myrtle branch. We continue in the Gemara, Rav Shmuel bar Rav Yitzchok, Mraked Atlas. He would dance with three uh, myrtle branches, and, and Rashi describes his dancing as actually a juggling act, throwing one into the air, and uh, while the other was in the air, would catch another one in a juggling fashion. Omar Rabbi Zerah, Rabbi Zerah, uh, seeing Rav Shmuel Yitzchok, who was a, a major luminary of that time, Upon seeing him conduct himself in this rather uh, frivolous fashion, he said, Komachsif lon sabo. Sabo is the sage. The, the sage, you the sage, are, are embarrassing us. You being the, the leading luminary and representative Torah scholarship, uh, and you're conducting yourself in this rather uh, frivolous fashion. It's bringing shame unto the rest of us. Kinoch nafsheh, when Rav Shmuel bar Yitzchak eventually died, Ipsik Amuda Denura, a pillar of fire, separated him, Bein Didei, Lekulei Amah, between him, between his body, and everyone else. Ugmiri, and there is a tradition, the Lo Afsik Amuda Denura, Elohad Bedora, Elitrei Bedora. This unusual phenomenon does not happen other than to one or two in a generation. And now commenting again, Rabbi Zera, Om Rabbi Zera, Hanyulei, and you'll see in the next couple lines there's a play on words. And Rabbi Zera said, Hanyulei Shutise Lesaba, Viamri La Shtuse Lesaba, Viamri La Shitse Lesaba. Each one of these is a uh, reference uh, to Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzhak. And Rabbi Zero says, you know what enabled him to be set off from everybody else? From the Shutise, the first, first one, Shutise, is the branch, a reference to his dancing with the myrtle branches. His, his total um, foregoing of any self-dignity uh, in order to bring joy to a new couple. So this, uh, so the branch, Shutise, a reference to the Myrtle branch that helped that benefit that was the special merit that he had setting him apart from everyone else. And the second version, the Amrila Shtuse Lesaba, was specifically his. And here you see Rabbi Zer recognizing that his conducting himself like a like Shtus, like a Shoita, like a fool, in fact, is that which enabled him to have this great merit that he was willing to relinquish any personal dignity for this greater goal of bringing joy to the new couple. The Amri law, and the third version is Shitse, means his practice, his Shita, his practice and custom, again, bringing joy and, and uh, relinquishing any personal airs about himself for this lofty goal. This is what enabled him to be set apart from everybody as was represented by the Amuda Denura, the pillar of fire. Rav Acha Markiv Lo Here's an interesting practice. Rav Acha would dance with the 
would dance with the kala umarkid. Uh, umarkid is to dance. He would market, uh, He would place her upon his shoulders. Uh, something that might raise many eyebrows, but <coughs> Ravacha took the kala and put the kala, the bride, on his shoulders and danced with her. Amri lay Rabbonon, the uh, the rabbis that were there, possibly uh, students, maybe uh, uh, others that were there uh, that are called the Rabbonon, they asked him, Anan can we do that also? And here, notice this very interesting answer. Omar Lahu, Rav Acha says to them, uh, obviously, it's the, the question is is in place. It's a, the whole this whole scene would be uh, would, would arouse a great and serious questions. What is this rabbi dancing around with a bride who, generally speaking, is uh, is in her maximum is at her maximum beauty, as is the case with most brides dancing around with her on his shoulders? So, can we do that too, Omar Lahu? So he answered, "E damyon alaifu kikshura." If the bride would appear to you like a beam of wood, meaning absolutely no arousal, just like a piece of dead wood, no um, um, sensual arousal. So if the, if the kala would appear to you like that, then it would be allowed, the ilo. And if she is not going to appear to you uh, when you're putting her on your shoulders as a piece of wood, lo, then you can forget about it. It would be totally forbidden. Omar Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni Om Rabbi Yonason Muter leistakel b'fnei kala kol shiva k'dei lechabavo al baila. He says it's 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 allowed for the public to gaze upon the bride for during the seven days, the first seven days uh, since her since her wedding. Those are the seven joyous days that we've uh, spoken about quite a bit since the beginning of this mesechta, and one is allowed to gaze upon her in order to arouse. Um, to arouse her husband, her new husband, when he sees everyone looking at her, so that will arouse in him her beauty. However, the Gemara is not approving of this particular practice. The less Allah does not follow Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni. And uh, I think that many of us could appreciate why he, uh, this is not something that the Gemara itself accepts as a practice. Uh, the, even though the Gemara itself doesn't say that, coming on the heels of the story with Rav Acha, it could very well be that Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni was also uh, uh, of the same uh, the same thought that uh, he was doing so with this pure. It was motivated by very pure intention, and certainly uh, no sense of arousal taking place uh, in, uh, within himself. But uh, to, to 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 say that on a, as a general. Uh, practice and advice for the public uh, that would be um, going a little too far in the eyes of the final ruling of the Gemara. We glance at the side, we see a no say a topic heading Hanhogos Hakshurim. These are practices that are related for the carrying of the deceased out to burial and likewise the accompanying of the of the uh, bride to her. Uh, to her wedding, I say likewise. I maybe I should say lahavdil, uh, in contrast. But uh, the Gemara says, mavirin es hames kala. If there there are two uh, groups, one accompanying a 
a deceased to his burial and one group accompanying a kala from her house to the uh, site of her wedding uh, wedding canopy uh, ceremony they call it the wedding and uh, they don't want to intermingle with one another and they they end up there en route to their to their uh, respective destinations and and they end up meeting en route and and uh, instead of walking together and intermingling so we the uh, the source says that we the the people carrying the mace should take a turn off the uh, off the path uh, allowing the group accompanying the bride to her wedding to uh, proceed uh, ahead so that and and with that they'll avoid their intermingling but you see who is who is uh, giving way to the other the funeral entourage is giving way to the kala melech and if uh, and each one of these if it's a funeral entourage or a uh, a wedding procession that uh, encounters a a king en route so they they are to give way to let the king go ahead it was said regarding King Agrippus. He was a king in the uh, so the later part of the second Beis Hamikdash period of time. It was said regarding him that he gave way to a uh, wedding procession. And the sages of his time praised him for that. The Gemara asks Shibchu, and here notice the Gemara raises a question that lasts a few lines. The Gemara asks Shibchu. They praised him uh, for giving way to the uh, uh, wedding procession. Michal the Shapirova. That would imply that he did a good thing. The fact that the Chachomim, the, the sages of that time, praised Agrippus, that would imply he did the right thing. But Ravashi taught otherwise. Even according to the opinion that a Nasi, a Nasi is a, a type of leader of the Jewish people. If you want to call him a prince, uh, a president who foregoes the honor due to himself, his honor is foregone, meaning he is allowed to uh, forego the honor. Melech Shemochak, a king who foregoes the honor due to him, Ein Kvodomochul, he does not have the right to forgive honor due to him. The Omar Mar, the Gemara uh, quotes a source, uh, basically a posuk with an explanation. Som the posuk in describing kingship says that you shall place upon yourself a king, and the posuk uses a double expression. Som tosim, and from this we learn you shall place the king above you, upon yourselves in any in in many different forms, including the honor that you are to. Uh, show to him must be uh, uh, permanent, uh, non uh, non negotiable, non uh, forgiving, and his fear must be upon you. You must place the king's fear upon yourselves, indicating no foregoing of honor that is due to him. So how could the uh, how could the sages uh, um, praise Agrippus for forgiving the honor due to him? Uh, in favor of the uh, wedding procession, the Gemara says, "Proshas drachim havoi." The uh, apparently they had come, they had met one another. These two groups, the the um, wedding procession and the king's procession, met at a crossroads, and the 
king veered off at the crossroads of Proshas Drachim in such a way that it didn't give the impression that he was giving the right of way to the uh, wedding procession, but rather that was the route he had intended to take in the first place. So it didn't appear that there was any compromising of the of the royal honor. Tonu Rabbanon. Mevatlin Talmud Torah L'Hotzas Hameis Lachnos Eskala. The study of Torah uh, can be canceled momentarily for the purpose of accompanying a funeral procession or accompanying a wedding procession. Accompanying the bride from her house to the to the wedding site. It was said regarding Rebuta Brabloi, who, by the way, you can see in Masechah Sanhedrin, was one of the most diligent Torah figures of all time. This, this extremely diligent uh, scholar, when it came to uh, the accompanying of, a, of the deceased, or a, uh, a company of a bride, he would forego his Torah learning at that moment. Uh, when is this uh, stated? In other words, we'll call this, we'll say, leniency with regard to the Torah learning, or when is this uh, requirement of of uh, stopping once Torah learning stated? That's when there isn't kol tzorcho, there aren't the, the full uh, number, the complete number of people expected to accompany the mace are not present. If all the those that are necessary are there, then you don't stop your Torah learning. The How many is that? What is meant by As you can see, a series marking appears on the side under the Mivne heading. You see a triangle, and we've written under the Mivne, Deois, these are uh, opinions, Bame Shi'ur Kol Tzorcho, Binyan Mosai Mivat Tamatur Lohotsas Hames. I should say, it's a Deos Bekamo Shi'ur Kol Tzorcho. What is the Shi'ur of Kol Tzorcho? So the Gemara, Omar of Shmuel Bar Ini, Mishmei the Rav, in the name of Rav, he says, Tracer Alpha Alfi Gavri, Vishisa Alfi Shipuri. Tracer Alfi is twelve thousand men, and Shisa is six Alfi thousand, six thousand chauffeur blowers. The chauffeur was blown, uh, Rashi says, Mahrizinolov Shiavo Lechabdo. This was used as a uh, an instrument of announcing for the public to come to honor the deceased. So you'd have to have, uh, if they had 12,000 men and 6,000 chauffeur blowers, that's your cult circle. Another version is Tlesar Alfi Gavri. Uh, Tlesar is 13,000. And there's another Girsa, uh, uh, also of Tresar Alfi, 12,000 men. Uminayu Shisa Alfi Shipuri. And from amongst them, you would have 6,000 chauffeur blowers. So that according to the second version, it wouldn't be a total of 18,000, 12, and 6, but rather a total of 12,000. And of them, amongst them, you would have 6,000 of them were chauffeur blowers. 
Ula, Omar Kigon. Now, Ula is another ex- explanation, another pshat in what called Sarchot would mean. He says, Kigon de Chaitzi Gavri. Chaitzi, like the word Mechitza, a wall of men, mi Abula vi'ad Sichra, from the gates of the city to the grave. The cemetery was located outside of town, so if there were enough people to form a a human chain, a human wall from the gates of the city to the grave, that's called called Sarcha. Then you, if you're in, in, involved in Torah study, you don't have to stop. Rav Sheshes Omar This is another version by way of what is called Sarcha mean. Netilasa Kinesinasa the uh, removal of the soul, meaning death, death at the point that a person dies so he no longer can study Torah. So they will say it's the taking away of Torah, is like the giving of Torah. Just like the Torah was given in the presence of Shishim, 60 Rebo, 10,000, which we say 600,000 people. So to the honor uh, accorded to the deceased, is 600,000. Fahani Mili, this idea that there's a upper, there's an upper limit, an upper number, Laman Dekori Vitani, this is the honor we accord to one who has learned uh, scriptures, Vitani learned Mishnayas. Rashi adds, at the bottom, he says, Vitani uh, Mishnah, he's learned Mishnayas, Avaladayin Lo Shona but he hasn't reached a stage where he's actually taught it to others. The Gemara continues at the top of Omid Beis, Avoleman de Masni, Masni is a reference to one who taught others, less lay shura, then there's no upper limit with regard to how many are expected to be there to uh, give him his due honor. Here the Gemara quotes the Mishnah that says if there are witnesses that can say that the Kala, that the bride was Yotza Behinuma, then she will be able to claim the 200 Zuz that is due to a Basula, a virgin wedding. On the side of the Gemara, under our topic heading, these are Shnei Pirushim Al Mahu Hinuma. What does it mean that she yotza behinuma? My hinuma, the Gemara asks, what is a hinuma? Surchav bar Papa, Mishmei de Ziri Omar, his name is Surchav, Surchav, the son of Papa, says in the name of Ziri, Tanura da Asa. Rashi, on the third line from the top, Kemin Chupa Shalhadas Agula. A chuppah is a, a canopy. It could be, it's a reference to a marriage canopy that was uh, made of. Uh, uh, myrtle branches uh, formed in a, circu- in a circular fashion. So that if you have witnesses that saw the bride under a, a wedding canopy made of uh, round, round, uh, rounded, fo- round formed uh, myrtle, myrtles, that would show, that would be a demonstration of it having been a, a, a virgin wedding. And Rabbi Yochanan Omar Karisa de Menam Nirma Ba Kalsa. Karisa is a, is a type of veil. Rashi says Seif Al Rosha Mishubavaleneha. A a Seif uh, is a type of a fabric uh, that uh, was placed overhead and 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 fell below her eyes, which 
would be something uh, very similar to what we would call a veil. Uh, and Rashi says, Kemosha Osin Bimakomeno, as we practice, is, was, was familiar to Rashi and his environs. Uh, continue on the first narrow line, Upomim Sheminam Nemes Besocho, the, uh, the Kala would uh, at times doze off, Mitoch Sheini Nel Megulin, since uh, people wouldn't notice her, she wouldn't be self conscious if, 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 uh, if she otherwise would have been seen dozing off. Tinuma means to doze off. And the word hinuma is similar to the word tenuma. The Gemara continues, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka Oimer, Afchiluk Kloyos Raya, a wedding in which you see the distribution of uh, roasted grains uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the children present. This is also a sign of it having been a, a uh, wedding of a basula. Tana, Yehuda Raya, the uh, signs that were mentioned in the Mishnah were in fact practices in the Yehuda region of Eretz Yisrael. That that's what they used to do in Yehuda as a sign or demonstration of this being the wedding of a virgin girl. Bebovel Mai. We have a double underline, and this is explained on the side under the Nosei Mivne heading. Once we've established that these are signs of a virgin wedding, then our Gemara just stated that this is in the Yehuda region. What are the signs and Laumona? What about a virgin wedding in Bovel? Or later, what about a widow wedding? What are the signs that the woman marrying now is a widow? So we continue in the Gemara. Bebovel, my, what was done in Babylonia to demonstrate, to show that this is a Basula wedding? Omar Rav. So Rav explains, Dardugi de Mashcha Aresha de Rabbonon. Mashcha is oil. Then Rashi says women would place oil in the heads of the uh, Torah scholars and they would uh, rub it in their heads. Shafos is what Rashi says. So Rav just explains what they did in Bavel. A very interesting practice. The women present poured some oil in the in the heads on the uh, on the heads of the Talmidim. Omar lay Rav Popola Baye. Uh, Rav Papa commented on this practice and he said to Abaye, he said, Mashka de Chafifusa Komamar. Is uh, this uh, um, shampoo oil that they were doing over there? Rashi says, Shemen Shel it's a fragrant oil that's Shemesukam de Chafifus, which is prepared for shampooing, for <coughs> washing one's hair. Komar Chibale Chafifus Hain, Lasukhan Shemen. It, 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 in, in Rav Papa's uh, uh, eyes, this was some type of. Uh, it looked to him like the uh, like a uh, um, people that needed to wash their hair. So that's what was done. Omar lay Abaye says back Yasma. Yasma literally is an orphan, but he says, "Are, are you you are, you're an orphan from this practice? Meaning, you're, what you're not familiar with this practice? That that's how you're reacting to it? Lo ofta leich." 
Imech Dar Dugi Mashko Arashid Arbon Bishas Maisa. When you got married, the, uh, she, uh, your mother didn't uh, see to it that it, that this practice was done. Kihal Dahu Merabonan, the Asik Le Lebre, Bay Rabo Barula. There was a, a a scholar that was arranging his son's marriage, preparing the the wedding of uh, of his son in the home of Rabo Barulo. The Amrilo. Another version of this is Rabo Barulo Yasik Le Lebre, Bay Hahu Rabonan. That Rabo Barulo was uh, getting his son's wedding ready in the home of a certain scholar and at the time of the wedding this is exactly what they did so it seems to be a rather uh, long term practice uh, from Rav's time Rav was the beginning of the Amorite period and he was already saying that this practice existed in uh, Bovel and and it continues down to the uh, latter Amoraic period, as uh, you could see uh, Abaye uh, speaking to Rav Popo was relatively speaking a, 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 it was many years after Rav Fikamora continues, Armalta Mai what about the wedding of a of a widow, a woman who had once been married and now she's remarrying, what Simon what sign was done to let it be known that this was a an almona getting married? Of course, as we've said in the past, the almona is entitled to a ksuba of only 100 zuz. So, in order to let that be known, what was done? Tani Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef teaches armalto less law kisni. At a an almona wedding, there was there was no uh, kisni or kloyos, no distribution of the uh, roasted grains. So the, 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 their absence was the sign. In our Mishnah, we saw uh, Rabbi Yeshua conceding that in the following case, the case that the Mishnah stated of a, a man coming to, up to someone out of nowhere saying that this field was your father's field, and I bought it from him, that in such a case, the speaker there would be believed. And the Mishnah went on to say, if there were Adim, if there were witnesses, that the field had belonged to this uh, fellow's father, and the speaker says, uh, well, I bought it from your dad, he would not be believed. And the halacha that Rabbi Yeshua is acknowledging that if a person popped out of nowhere and said, you know, this field was your father's, and he's speaking to someone who had no clue, no, he wasn't aware of it at all. And he, he shares that information, and he then qualifies and says, but I bought it from him. He is believed, that was called a pesha osar pesha hitir. Another term that we used was a migu. Believe him uh, with this comment, because he could have simply remained silent and enjoyed the field without any protest whatsoever. Uh, we also had used an expression in the reason for the believability there is because there was ain shor shochut lefanov. There was no there was no grounds of suspicion of thinking anything about this field other than what this guy tells us. Uh, this was, of course, in contrast with a woman that said, uh, uh, "I was uh, I was uh, uh, raped." After I had been married to you, 
uh, and the thought was, and you saw other Tanai Rabbi Gamliel Rosa believing her because she could have said uh, a better claim. Uh, Rabbi Yeshua didn't accept that because there was already, before the claims were made, there was Shor Shochot Lefanecha. There was only already suspicion on the part of the Chosan in that he didn't see, he didn't notice any signs of her virginity after their initial intimacy. There was no signs of Basulim. So the absence of the signs of Basulim is what creates grounds of suspicion and hence the strength of the Taina that she makes is significantly reduced in the eyes of Rabbi Yoshua. That by, that's just by way of general uh, recapitulation of what we have already uh, learned. This sugya on the side is introduced with a nosei mivne heading. You'll notice that throughout this sugya, there is use made of a house shape, and the house shape will appear in an alternating direction. Sometimes the point facing up, sometimes it's flipped over. This we call a ma'akav. You'll also see a squiggle underline uh, um, used to highlight the expression moide rabbi Yeshua. What happens in this uh, sukya, the, uh, uh, the highlighting uh, uh, highlights the phrase velisni moide rabbi Yeshua. Why not teach the, an alternative or a different kind of migu? And we've written on the side, Hatsois Chilufios, alternative suggestions, Litaina Shieshbomiku, a claim that has the Migu aspect. Migu meant it's a type of claim that ought to be believed because the speaker could have said something or done something uh, or reacted in a more convincing fashion than he did. So since he had the potential of offering a more convincing claim, believe him in what he's saying right now. So we're going to suggest that are there no other... Are, couldn't a, another example have been given for a taina that has in it a migush Rabbi Yeshua where Rabbi Yeshua could have accepted and agreed that one who places such a claim would be believed. So we'll see throughout the Gemara suggestions of alternative claims. The, uh, as the Gemara goes on, you'll see a numbering scheme uh, on to the side of the Gemara text. We've, uh, we have suggested here numbering the 1, 2, and 3. 2 and 3 you see at the, the top of Yud Chesom and Aleph. Uh, the uh, numbers one and two, these suggestions one and two, will be rejected. We've noted on the side Hatzos one and two are rejected. Nidchu is to be rejected. Biglal shelohoya yochol lomar seifa because the seifa, which begins inevitably with the expression im yesh edim, if there had been witnesses, let's just, let's just just like we saw in our Mishnah, where we said if there had been witnesses that the field belonged to the father, then the the uh, taina falls away. The claim made is um, uh, loses its uh, strength. Loses its uh, re- uh, we can't rely on it because witnesses already provided that information that the uh, claimer is stating. So in constructing these suggestions, not only 
is it important for us to present a suggested claim, but it would also have to be accompanied by the Seifa structurally, just like we saw in our Mishnah, that if there were witnesses, then uh, then we wouldn't uh, believe. Well, what, what's going to happen then in the Gemara is after we give you suggestions, one and two, respectively, after each each one of those suggestions, we're going to say, no, that wouldn't have fit into the scheme of our mission because the Seifah would not have had any purpose. I know that might sound a little bit abstract right now, but as we go through the Gemara, hopefully this will become much clearer. The inverted house, as we go through the Gemara, represents the Chios or Chuvos there their uh, rejections or responses of what had been suggested previously. So let's get ready for a, a uh, pretty vigorous give-and-take structure Gemara by turning now to the Gemara text. Velisni, why not teach the following? You'll notice that we have a, a dashed frame. The, the reason for this is that this is not a source. It's simply a suggestion of what the source, how the source would have appeared had it been a source. But listening, why not teach as follows? A man comes up to some fellow and says, This field was yours. This would be even more impressive. It's <coughs> Instead of what we saw in our mission, he says, this, this field was your father's field. The guy says, this field was yours. But I bought it from you. And obviously he's going to someone that had not raised any question about the field ownership until this, uh, 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 up till this very moment. And, uh, and what happens is some guy comes out of the blue saying, this field was yours, but I bought it from you. So is that, is that not believable? In other words... He's believing when he says that because the guy who's uh, who's claiming ownership of the field could have just been quiet and continued enjoying the field. So now that he's volunteering this information, you know, this field was once yours, but I bought it from you, certainly he should be believed. Why isn't this taught? The Gemara answers, Mishum de Kaboy Lemisni Seifa. If the Reisha was taught as we just suggested, you'd also have to follow it up with a seifa as follows. If there were witnesses that it belongs to him, to the to this listener, the who Omer and the speaker says, uh, but you know, I happen I bought this from you. He would not be believed. The 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 second party the the listener his um, access to the field uh, his association with the field is not based on the speaker whatsoever it's based on the fact that there are witnesses that that could testify thusly and and therefore with this uh, person claiming that uh, he bought it he wouldn't be believed to say he bought it hechi domi what are the circumstances? What's the background? If this speaker, who's claiming I bought it from you, happened to have used the field. Achla means he used the field, literally he ate the field. It means he cultivated the field, he harvested the produce. He did all kinds of, of actions that 
if he weren't the real owner, the real owner certainly would have been aroused to protest this guy's presence. So if he, the speaker, uh, has used the field, shnei, the years, shnei means shonim shell, the years needed for chazaka. Chazaka means, for in practical terms, it's the use of a field over the course of three years. There's uh, the third parak of Bova Basra uh, deals with this topic quite extensively, but Rashi says very simply, A person who used a field for three years without being without any protest, Neman Lomar, he is then believed to say, you know, this field, I happen to have purchased the field, the Avad story, and I lost the the t- uh, title document. The the kule hai lo inish bishtar. A person is not expected to watch his uh, deeds for more than three years. So, if the speaker in this case, uh, this case specifically, a case where there had been witnesses that it belonged to the other guy, but in the over the last three years uh, or more, this speaker who claims he bought it happened to have used it without protest uh, then why would you conclude he's not believed the the, the, the uh, hypothetical source wouldn't have concluded and if this speaker had not used the field for three years then it would be obvious you wouldn't need a source to teach me that he would not be believed. A person would claim, well, I bought it from you. We simply would say, if it's within a three-year period, we'd say, where's your title of, of deed to the field? And if you can't show it, then you're a fraud as far as we're concerned. So I wouldn't need to teach something that's obvious. So at, at this point, then, we understand why the suggested... Uh, Miku that Rabbi Yeshua would, so would supposedly would have accepted is rejected as a suggestion that be either the conclusion of Eino Neman would not be accurate or it would be too obvious you wouldn't need to teach it the Gemara asks well, well regarding the case that we do state in the Mishnah where the speaker referred to the field being this guy's father's field at one time How's that such a good uh, example? The, in the Seifa, where it said, if there were witnesses that it was this guy's father's field at some time, if the speaker, the claimer, happened to have used it for three years, why would the, why would the conclusion be he's not believed just because they're witnesses that it happened to be the guy's father's field? And if the speaker did not use it for three years, and then it's obvious that he would not be believed. So regarding the Seifa, where it says uh, he's not believed, you'd have to say we're talking about uh, circumstances that he didn't use it for three years. Otherwise, he, otherwise it would be obvious that he's believed. You wouldn't. Uh, otherwise, it, it wouldn't be taught Anonemon. He would have been be, been believed. So the the example as we have it seems to be. Uh, lacking as well. Either, either the the statement in the mission of Eino Namon is inaccurate, 
Or it would be obvious. The Gemara responds. And that's why we have this inverted house. Bishlama Gabi Oviv, the Mishnah needs to teach the case regarding the father. Mishkachas law, you can have a situation where someone actually used it for three years and we will still be able to conclude he's not believed. Namely, if there were witnesses that it was this guy's father's field, even though the speaker, the guy claiming it as his, used it for three years, he still would not be believed. And what are, what's the case? Where he used it for... Uh, for three years in total. The the first two of those years when were, were during the lifetime of the father. The third year of the Chazaka, the third year of use, the man had died and the but the son was alive. And that will not constitute a Chazaka, a sign of ownership. We said before, in passing, but it's important to emphasize that in, in order for a chazoka, the three-year use, to be considered the sign of ownership, it has to be a form of usage that would have prompted the owner to protest if this guy using it was a fraud. If your form of usage or the situation of your usage would not have prompted the protest on the part of the real owner, then you, the user, cannot claim ownership based on such a use. Even though we're talking about a total of a minimum of three years. And what's the case? We just mentioned a case where the first two years was when the original owner was still alive, and the third year... The, the son of the owner was, was uh, there, was alive, was present. Based on Rav Huna, which we haven't explained yet, what's, what's the weakness, what's the lacking in this case? The Omer Rav Huna, Ein machzikin koten, afilu hidil. A cotton is a minor. A minor uh, is not someone that has das, that has full awareness of, uh, of uh, financial matters, of many matters in, in general. And hence, uh, you can't expect him, the minor, to protest. He's just a child. This halacha applies if, even if, let us say, you were using a field for a, uh, a number of years in the presence of the child, <coughs> even if he reaches adulthood. Higdil means he goes, he reaches above bar mitzvah and you continue using it. Since you started using it at a time that the child didn't have awareness, the fact that he became an adult doesn't mean he acquired awareness concerning your use of the field. He thought, uh, he thought that, uh, as a child, he thought that you belonged there, not realizing that you're really a fraud. So, Rav Huna says, you cannot gain a chazaka through your use of the field if the owner of the field is a minor, even if you continue the use of the field when that minor turns into an adult. So, uh, the, the circumstances of the, of the Mishnah 
where we said, if there were witnesses that it belonged to the father of this guy, the guy that is listening to the claim being made, if there are witnesses that belong to his father, even though the speaker who's laying claim to the field used it for three years or even more, since the start of his use was when the father was alive and the child was a, was a minor uh, there is no chazaka to be gained. There are only two years of use, which is not enough to constitute ownership, two years of use in front of the formal owner. True, the child was an heir to it, but you couldn't have expected him to raise any protest. And I know we've said it before, a chazaka is not a chazaka unless it's a form of use that potentially could have aroused the protest of the owner, and in this case, the owner is the is the the uh, the son. So that, as the Mishnah said, uh, if the if there were witnesses that it was the father's, then this guy's claim would be of no uh, validity. You notice that we have a um, bracketed section, and right after the brackets, the Gemara continues with a a, um, a question. Within the brackets, the uh, we note on the side so Graham Lashem Dilu the skipping is for the, the brackets are for skipping purposes in order to make the the uh, uh, maintain the flow the fluency of the give and take style of the Gemara but within the brackets there's a, a a detail a specific question regarding Rav Popok so, if we skip momentarily, uh, as far as justifying our Mishnah the way it is, with a, a fellow laying claim to a field by saying, this field belonged to your fathers and I bought it from him, he'd be believed, but if there were witnesses, so he would not be believed. So, we've established the uh, validity of the Mishnah. And uh, its validity is really based on uh, accepting Rav Huna's principle. After the brackets, on the first wide line, the third word, <coughs> why not teach a claim regarding the field uh, is, was yours? We'll go over that momentarily. We'll go over that. What's this like? We'll call this this uh, new suggestion within this particular give and take uh, setup. In the brackets, the Gemara uh, wants to understand uh, why was it necessary for Avhuna to state something that essentially is the Mishnah, namely our Mishnah by telling us that if there were witnesses that the field belonged to this listener's father the speaker laying claim to it would not be believed the only way to explain the Mishnah uh, for the Mishnah to have a purpose was to say that the claimer used the field for three years the first two of which were during the lifetime of the father the third year was when the father was dead and only the son was alive and that's not a way to gain a chazaka so even without Rav Huna I would have known that information namely 
I would have known that from our Mishnah. So what do I need the Amora Ravuna to tell me that? The Gemara now in the brackets. For Ravuna Masnisin Osalashminan is Ravuna coming to tell us information that you can learn from the Mishnah? Since that's the case of the Mishnah, which essentially is Ein Machsikim Benichse Koten. And that's the only way to explain the Mishnah. What is Rav Huna coming to tell me something that's already contained in the Mishnah? Uh, Rashi points out three lines from the end of the narrow lines. The things that are taught in Mishnayis, was fluent in the minds of everyone. Everyone knew that. So isn't Rav Huna anticlimactic? Or superfluous? The Gemara answers, Iboyasema, Ravuna, Diyuka Damasnisin Kaomar. It is true that you need to explain the Mishnah as we did, which is based on Ravuna, but the Mishnah was not explicit about that. So what Ravuna does is he reveals the explanation that the Mishnah was was maybe hinting to at best, but it wasn't explicit. So I need Ravuna to bring out to clarify the Mishnah. Viboy Asema, another approach is that Rav Huna tells me the following, Afilu Higdil Komash Malon. That is not what I would have learned necessarily from the Mishnah. Rav Huna adds that you cannot gain a Chazoka by continued use of the field of a cotton, even if you continue the use uh, 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 over a period of time that the cotton already reaches adulthood. Since the beginning was at a time you couldn't expect the child to protest simply because he was a minor, the fact that he became an adult, there is not reason for expecting him (coughs) to protest. Once you start off in a state of ignorance, that state continues even as he... Uh, the original owner, the child, uh, um, reaches adulthood. So I need Rafuna for that particular point. We continue with our uh, questioning scheme. Why not teach the case uh, of the field, the claimer, saying this field was yours, but I bought it from you? Um, and set up the case where he used it two years in this fellow's presence, the listener's presence, and the third year the listener was no longer there. Um, why was he not there? Because he had to run away. And what the, the Chiddush would be that, uh, of course, if there had been witnesses that this field was once this listener's, the Chiddush would be that that third year would not count as a completion of the Chazoka years. The Gemara rejects this scenario on, as follows. Borach, Machmas Ma, you say uh, that the, uh, at the third year of use, so the, the listener 
uh, ran away. Why did he run away? If he ran away, uh, by, by the way, take note of the fact that we're in the middle of a, a very long uh, rejection of the suggestion. Takes quite a few lines of help, but most of it you'll see ends up in a as a in a bracketed section. So we're saying that to set up the the the, uh, the Rabbi Yeshua Kaina Nigu case like this, that he the claim is made as we said this field was yours, but I bought it from you, and yes, he used it for three years. And we would then say, but if there were witnesses that it was once this guy's field, <coughs> the, the the claimer would not be believed. Ah, but if he used it for three years, why is he not believed? Well, we said that the third year, the original, the owner here had run away, and that weakens the chazaka. Well, why did the uh, what were the circumstances of this listener having run away? Either Baruch Machmas Nefoshos. We're on the second wide line of the Gemara. If he had run away because of fear of his life. Rashi says that he was afraid for his life because the Malchus, the government, was out after him. So then, Pshita Delo Mehemon Delo Motimachi. Of course, the claimer is not going to be believed. Uh, namely, of course, there is no chazaka because the uh, the owner he was on the run and he had to remain hidden. If he were to issue a protest, his whereabouts would be discovered and his life would be in jeopardy. So, of course, the owner could not have protested. As we said before, a chazaka, <coughs> the uh, demonstration of use as a sign of ownership, is. Only as good as use that would have aroused protest. But in this case, the original owner was was running for his life. He couldn't have protested. And if he had run out of the community because he was under some type of financial threat, not that his life was in jeopardy, but he wanted to spare himself of being of uh, someone collecting money from him. Uh, Rashi says, Mitzakas Hatsoya Kimbir, he was running away from people that were screaming at him in town. Then he should have issued a protest from the distance. The Kaimalon, we hold that Machal Shilobafonov, a protest issued by an owner concerning. Uh, someone's presence on his field that's done even at a distance not in front of the uh, the squatter or the user that constitutes a, a good protest What the, we didn't mention before but the protest is designed to put the, the uh, user of the field <coughs> on notice that if he claims to be legitimate he has to watch his title of deed so he could have made this protest at a distance. And if he didn't make the protest, so of course the chazaka is a good chazaka. And as we said before, there would be no need to teach something that's obvious. So the suggestion made over here of teach this as instead of this field was your father's rather this field was yours and I bought it from you it wouldn't hold up because in the Seifa we wouldn't be able to teach that if there were witnesses that it was this guy's field 
uh, then the claimer would not be believed. And as we said, you would have had to set it up in this way with the two years and the one year, uh, the, the total of three years use, with the Borach situation, but either, as we said before, either the conclusion of Eino Namon uh, would, would be either too obvious or it would be inaccurate. There's a long bracketed section, and you can see how long it is. Use your bracket length indicator. This will take us to the top line of Yud Chesam and Aleph. Within the brackets, the Gemara discusses the issue, the basis of this concept of Macha Shalom B'Fan of Havya Macha. So it gets involved with that. It's really a side discussion. Uh, it's we noted on the uh, margin with, by the starred note that Sograyim Elu Einam L'Shem Dilog. There is the the, the uh, brackets here are not for skipping purposes per se. It's simply to show that the main rejection ends at this point, uh, reje- the rejection of this uh, suggestion of listenabidi uh, that which is presented in the brackets, who reka ledin It's its background to this law concerning the protest made by a by an original owner made protest made from the distance to serve notice to the squatter the user to watch the title of deed is a is is a formal acceptable type protest and a protest made within the 3 year period of use is in effect sufficient for putting the chazaka on hold for preventing the the Chazaka from achieving, uh, we'll say, the three-year maturation point. At the top of Yud Chesom and Aleph, we're going to have a, a a new type suggestion. Up till now, uh, number one, the house number one, till that point, dealt with a suggestion. Why not have the person claim that the field was yours instead of mentioning the field was your father's? Approach number two has to do with cash and a, a loan money owed as opposed to a field but uh, up till that point first we before we get to that we we go back to the bracketed section the last point that was made was that a machoshilo before of Javier macho protest made by an original owner is considered a formal protest the snan the Tanaic source reads as follows sholosharotsis lechazoka there are three land regions that have significance with regard to matters of a chazaka, which uh, essentially means that if uh, you are using a piece of land in one of these land regions, and the original owner is in another is in, in another one of these regions mentioned, you would not be able to gain a chazaka, and that itself would seem to run counter to the idea of but don't worry, we'll explain that. So this source speaks about three land regions regarding matters of Chazotah. Yehuda, the Evra Yarde, Vagola, the three land regions are Judea, Evra uh, Yarde, the other side of the Jordan River. Here, of course, we're focusing on uh, Israel. Vagolil and the Galilee, the northern part of Israel. If the original owner was in Yehuda and some user of the field, when we speak about the user of the field, this is a guy that's inevitably claiming that it, that he bought it, and he's using it in Golil or Begolav Yehuda. The original owner is in Golil and the user is in 
a field in Yehuda, Eino Chazaka at Sheimoi Bemedina. It's not the uh, the user is not going to be able to gain a Chazaka, which if he claims to be an owner of it, he better watch his his title of deed for uh, for uh, many years uh, ad infinitum. He's not going to gain a Chazaka through his use of it. Uh, we mentioned before that a Chazaka is use that would that would uh, prompt an owner, an original owner, to protest your presence. But if the original owner is not aware of your presence, is not expected to be aware of your presence, so that your use of the field is not going to establish a chazaka. It's not going to establish a sign of ownership. And now we ask. Uh, this source had told us that it's not a chazaka until the owner is located in the same region where his field is that's being used by someone else who is uh, claiming to have bought it. And we ask, my Kosovar, what's the thinking of this source? If the thinking is that a long-distance protest, a protest that's not made to the face of the user, is considered a protest, is considered a, we'll say, a serving of warning, then Afilu Nami, even if they're split, namely owner in one region and field in the other region, that should be considered a good protest. The Ikosovar uh, I say a good protest means a type of protest that would that would uh, stall the Chazaka from forming. The Ikosovar of and if the Tana of this Tanaic source is of the opinion that a Macha that's not issued in front of the user is not considered a macho in other words long distance serving of notice is of no effect then even if the owner and the field that's being used are, in this, are together in the same region so it would not be considered a protest and uh, if a protest, uh, uh, just to repeat the, uh, the theme that we've been referring to uh, uh, already a few times, that if a protest is not considered a is not considered a protest, then the lack of the protest would not be a sign of this fellow gaining a chazaka. Only the lack of a protest. That uh, that that would have been effective would be the grounds for establishing a chazaka, where we're simply saying, you know, uh, the owner, if if you really uh, if you really felt that the field was still yours, then you should have protested. But if you can't expect him expect him to have protest because machol wouldn't be considered a machol, so the user isn't going to be able to claim a chazaka because of the silence of the owner. So why is this source featuring specifically two separate regions? Even within the same region, the law would apply. The Tana holds that a, a serving of notice does not have to be done in front of the user in order to be considered a macho, in order to be considered an effective serving of notice. This Tanaic source is dealing with a time of, of, of public emergency. 
public emergency is a situation where there is basically no communication from one loca- from one locale to another. In order for a machosh elobafonov to be effective, you'd have to have a, uh, a constant flow of communication from one part to another. And if uh, the roads are blocked, so the machal cannot be effective. Rashi says at the second line from the bottom, Bishas Chirim Shonu, the Yocholomar, the owner could say, Lo Niglesli, that is the user can say, Lo Niglesli Machoso, Sheshmor's story. I was not aware of his protest that would have enabled me to watch the star. So the, the, those are the circumstances of this Tanaic source. If it's a Shas Cherum, so then even from one city to another, it wouldn't be considered a, an, an effective Machal. Two cities even in the same region would be lacking any uh, information flow or communication. So why does the source teach two different uh, areas, two different regions? The Gemara answers the Stam Yehuda Vagolil Kishas Cherum Damu. The the nature the nature of these two regions was such that even without formal let's say emergency circumstances, there was simply no communication between these two areas. So uh, for a uh, a person to have been considered to be served notice if the field is in one location and the owner is in another location that in the case of Yehuda and Goliath would not have been an effective serving of notice and now as you can see uh, house number two a new suggestion for a taina with a migu that Rabbi Yeshua could have conceded to. For listening, Moide Rabbi Yeshua, Boimer Lechavero, let the Rabbi Yeshua concede where one says to his friend, his friend, Mono Lovisi Mimchol, Parativ Loch, Shunemon, I borrowed from you a hundred, say a hundred dollars, and I paid you back. That he would be believed. We mentioned before, uh, that Rabbi Yeshua is willing to accept a taina where there's ain shor shochot lefanecha. Why did Rabbi Yeshua seek out an example specifically of karkov land, and as a result that let's say forced him into setting up a case involving the uh, fellow's father, and all that because of the seifa regarding the witnesses, as we've already explained. Why not set up a case involving portables, metapolin, and have the taina f- uh, focused at the listener himself? As we just said, that uh, if uh, A approaches B and says, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, Mr. A says, I borrowed money from you, but I paid you back, he would be believed. So the reason that this particular case is not taught Mishum de Kaboy Lemisna Seifa, then this rejection takes a few lines to develop, because the Seifa would have had to say as follows Im Yesh Adim Shu Lava Mimenu, if there were witnesses that saw the loan, 
the who Omer Parativ, and the speaker says, I, I paid you back, Eino Namon. He would that he would not be believed with such a claim. But that's not true. But we have a principle. When a loan takes place in front of witnesses, the borrower doesn't have to make sure that witnesses see the payback. Therefore, even if there were witnesses that saw the original loan, this claim of, I paid you back on the part of the borrower, would have been believed. So the setup as our Mishnah has it, that because of the witnesses, the claim would not be believed, isn't accurate over here. A third suggestion. Uh, structurally, by the way, as we said in our introduction, I hope everyone notices that suggestions one and two fell away because of our inability to set up the safe uh, in these suggestions in the same format as the safe that appears in our Mishnah. Suggestion three. Velisni. Person comes out of the blue and says, You know, uh, uh, I once borrowed a hundred zoos from your father. I owed him a hundred zoos and I paid him back fifty. Pras means half. Uh, with a, a claim like that, should be something that Rabbi Yeshua should accept that believe him when he says that because he didn't have to say anything. The Gemara rejects this, and but you'll notice it's a long rejection. Aliba Deman. Uh, the Rashi points out, based on of course what you'll see very shortly in the Gemara, that this area, this topic is the subject of a Tanaic controversy. And the problem is that uh, what we just learned, what was just suggested, wouldn't conform to any of the Tanoim that are authorities on this topic. And before we go on in the Gemara, there's a, a little starred note that you might notice in the margin. And it reads as follows, According to Rabbi Yeshua, the believability... As we said before, there's Ein Shor Shochot Lefanecha. There's no grounds of suspicion that preceded this encounter. That would mean that the believability is only if the uh, fellow wasn't claiming anything, that, that the son wasn't coming along and saying, you know, you, uh, you owed my father money. So that's Rabbi Yeshua's opinion. There is uh, another school of thought called the Rabbonon, Nemon Afilu Hechodetavo the borrower would be believed even when there was a claim made against him. And a third opinion, Rebelozer ben Yankov, boin shvua afilu He goes so far as to say that the mere offering of this information is not going to be believed on its own unless he would t- take a vow to back it up. That's not like Rabbi Yeshua either. Rabbi Yeshua is granting believability on the simple volunteering of the information. According to Rabbi Yosef Yaakov, if you volunteer that information, at least at this point in our discussion, even where there's no formal taviyah, formal claim, 
you would still have to take a vow to back up your statement. That's not like Rabbi Yeshua. So the Gemara points out that to set up Rabbi Yeshua like this, where a person says, I owed $100 to your father, but in the course of time he paid him back 50%, I paid him 50 of them, that he should be believed, well, Ali Badaman, according to whom would Rabbi Yeshua have been saying this? E Ali if it were a statement made within the Rabbanon, Ho Amri, the Rabbanon, though, don't go like that. They say, Meshiv Aveda Havi. Literally means, this is an example of someone who is returning a lost article. And a person who is returning a lost article is not someone that you, uh, well, as far as the Rabbon are concerned, we have to say that the man would be believed even if there was a tevia, even if there was a claim made against the fellow. If we look in the Rashi, uh, there's a little triangle that you can see at the end of the uh, one of the narrow lines in the upper part of the Rashi. You can have a situation in this case where... He, uh, someone was making a claim you know, you owed my father a hundred dollars, and this guy says well, yeah, I, but I paid him back fifty, I still owe fifty I still owe though it's being nice, he's volunteering half the amount Meshiv uh, he is considered like someone returning a lost article if someone comes and returns a lost article, you don't impose upon him the need to take a vow to substantiate his um, his act. Desnan b'shuas. It's taught in Masechet Shuas. Rashi says, Guy comes up and says, "You know, you owe my father a hundred dollars." Fellow says back. The borrower says, "Ein uh, There's only fifty dollars that. Is uh, that I still owe Potter? He is exempt from taking a shvua mishum shukemeshivaveda. Now we didn't give uh, a very essential point of information, uh, but it, it's called and it's going to be a theme of the next sugi in the Gemara. It's called moida b'mixes chayav lishava. A person who admits half it has to take a vow, and that arises in a simple or standard case where. Uh, a approaches B, A says to B, you know, me, you borrowed from me $100. That's what A says to B. And B says back, well, I, yeah, I borrowed $100, but I paid you back 50 He's conceding half. And when, a, if a, when that happens, the Torah imposes upon a person to take a vow. The uh, logic to that and all will be explained at great length in the next sugya. That's called moida b'mixas chayav lishava. However, where the claim is, you owed my father a hundred dollars, and the guy says back, "Yeah, but I, I I owe only fifty right now." He's called meshiv aveda. He's considered like someone restoring a lost article. And uh, the uh, the reason we'll see later on the reason or the logic behind that is because he could have simply denied everything. Uh, very easily, we call that kofir bakol, and he's being nice enough to admit that he still owes half. He is like someone restoring a lost article. And Rashi goes on, Umay Ashmina Rabbi Yeshua, Bein Shor Shochut, 
Why would Rabbi Yeshua have to tell me his din, namely he concedes believability only when there's no one laying a claim? Even where a claim is being made, this, this fellow, the borrower, would still be believed. So the Gemara continues that Rabbi Yeshua, as he is presented right now, doesn't conform to any of the, uh, the, the formal authorities on this particular topic. And he'd be a, he'd be a, a third opinion that, uh, that doesn't have any basis. The Gemara continues, And if Rabbi Yeshua was teaching this in accordance with Rabbi Yosef Yankiv, but he says, Shvua boy, you would have to take a vow. Your taina, your claim of having paid back half to the father, wouldn't be enough. And yet Rabbi Yeshua is saying, it is enough. The Sanya, and here the Gemara gives the background to the Rabbonin and Rabbi Yehoshua ben Yankiv. It says in the source, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Yankiv, Pa'omim shodam nishbal tainas atzmo. Sometimes a person has to take a vow, even when it's his own claim. This uh, phrase, by the way, this whole source is going to be clarified by the Gemara later on. But in the meantime, uh, Rabbi Lozabin is saying sometimes a person has to take a vow uh, even on Tainus Atzmo. And what is that? A person says that. Uh, he seems to volunteers this information. He says, you know, I, I owed your father once $100, but I paid him back 50 nishba. He has to swear that that was the case. That's an example of someone who swears on his own words, his own claim. The Chachamim say that a person who speaks like that, he says, you know, I once owed your father $100 and I paid him back 50 And I still owe him 50 That's an awfully nice guy. He's like someone restoring a lost article to someone and he's exempt from taking a Shavuah. So that at this point, this is the end of the formal rejection of the suggestion number three uh, to... Uh, for Rabbi Yeshua to acknowledge that as a uh, type of pesh osar pesh yitir, or a nigu taina that would have been believed. Uh, at this point in the Gemara, the uh, Gemara will, will analyze uh, the machlokis between Rabbi Lazar ben Yankiv and the Chachamim. What, uh, what does Rabbi Lazar ben Yankiv really hold when, after all, a person is nice enough to come up with information uh, you know I once borrowed a hundred dollars from your father but I paid him back fifty why in the world should he have to swear to back that up and and Mitzvah Shem in our next shir so we'll get into that discussion